This podcast is part of the Acast Creator Network. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello and welcome to The Stand with Eamon Dunphy. Now, since... uh, Putin's invasion of Ukraine almost a year ago now, 11 months ago. A lot of the certainties uh, we were living with, or what appeared to be certainties, faded away and dissolved for a long time. Uh, The West has tried to do business, as it were, with Russia and indeed with China, and that some kind of detente would uh, prevail. But 11 months into that conflict, I'm not sure many people Uh, believe that. And last week, one of the top American generals, Air Force generals, uh, predicted that the United States and China will probably go to war in 2025 in the most dramatic warning yet about that possibility. Taiwan would be the issue there. And the General Mike Minahan uh, is the head of the U.S. Air Mobility Command. And He says, I hope I'm wrong, but my gut tells me we will fight in 2025. NBC got hold of that memo. It was, of course, denied. uh, But nevertheless, it gives us an idea of how the world has changed. And to discuss this now, we're joined by Ian Williams, who's an author and journalist, a very distinguished journalist, who is a foreign correspondent for Channel 4 News, based in Russia and later in Asia. Uh, He joined NBC News as Asia correspondent for 10 years almost and was based in Bangkok and Beijing. He won an Emmy and a BAFTA uh, uh, for his discovery and reporting of the Serb detention camps during the war in Bosnia. And his most recent book, published in August, is Fire of the Dragon, China's New Cold War, a study of China and the world. Ian, you're very welcome to The Stand, and thank you very much for joining us. Uh, What did you make of Mike Minahan's leaked memo? And indeed, what's your response to my notion uh, that, that the world really has changed now, and it is the West on one side, and these authoritarians on the other, and it's hard to reconcile both. That is certainly part of the thinking that we're now seeing this uh, face-off between uh, an authoritarian axis consisting of Russia, 
um, China and Iran and, and Western democracies. But this, this note, this memo that was sent out by Mike Minahan, it's possibly the most forthright of a number of warnings which have come from the American military leadership over recent years, um, projecting uh, and predicting possible conflict with China over the coming years. My gut tells me we might fight in 2025, he says. Yes. As evidence of that, he's looking at China's far more aggressive stance globally, but in particular towards Taiwan, which is seen as the next flashpoint. And I think the American military leadership and, and many other analysts in Washington have looked at what's taken place in Russia, the invasion of Ukraine, and have weighed up whether China will follow suit and attempt to take Taiwan over the, over the coming years. And they're busy trying to figure out how China has, has calculated what it's learned, um, the lessons it's taking on board from Ukraine. And certainly some military leaders, um, such as Mike Minahan, are concluding that China wants to get it done, wants to move quicker against um, Taiwan, um, and, and will do so over the coming years, um, while Xi Jinping has his extra period in power. Yes, and the American Secretary of State, Blinken, has gone to Beijing. I think he's there now or will be there this week. Is there any significance in that? Yeah, I mean, it's not obviously it's not great timing that this memo should be leaked just as Blinken's on his way to Beijing. But China is coming out of its COVID-19 isolation, and it is doing so with a message that the country is now open for business again, that it is now more responsive to investment, it's going to be kinder to private businesses, and it's going to be a little bit more cuddly on the international scene. Now, that's being greeted with a certain amount of skepticism because that's something of an about-face for what we've seen of Xi Jinping over recent years. My view is that uh, the, the economy is in such a bad way following zero COVID and for a number of other more long-term reasons that China has decided it's got to get it's got to get the economy moving by all means possible. And it is a rather, a rather pragmatic, cynical, you could argue, um, policy in, in the short term, which would seem to overturn a number of Xi Jinping's longer term policies. But Blinken will be there to test the water, to see, to get a sense of just how genuine, how real is this uh, apparent about turn by China. Now, this would seem to suggest that uh, that that perhaps they're going to put the aggression on the back burner in the in the short term. But he will sit and certainly be there with a a fairly blunt message on Taiwan that the Americans do not want to see any intimidation of the island. That they will support Taiwan. Uh, the nature of that support, Blinken has been very cautious about, far more so than. Uh, his boss, President Biden. Yes. Um, but we shall see. Yeah, and the the spectre of nuclear war has now come into play with Putin and his foreign affairs man, uh, Sergei Lavrov, talking openly about using nuclear weapons and indeed threatening to use nuclear weapons. And they may well, in the course of this 
conflict in Ukraine do so. If China makes a move on Taiwan, perhaps you could tell us, in your opinion, Ian, how important Taiwan is to China, because they regard it as part of their territory, much as Hong Kong, but maybe more so in that uh, it's a successful uh, democracy. I think there's 23, 24 million people, um, and uh, they have presidential elections coming up. When Chinese people look at this uh, island, uh, independent, 100 miles away, they must wonder about these elections and the prosperity. They do, but the elections are always, I mean, the, the, the version that the Chinese media puts out is very different from what you or I would see and read into a, a democratic election. Taiwan is important. It's more important than ever in the eyes of the United States, and I think among her allies as well, particularly Japan, yes. uh, Britain, to a lesser extent, the EU. It's important for a whole host of reasons. Economically, it's a linchpin in the global high-tech economy, uh, the biggest source of, of high-end chips, not only the biggest source, but dominating. 90% of the top-end chips come from Taiwan. Um, but moreover, it's become a democratic model. It is very much the, its transition from uh, a military dictatorship yes. in the mid-80s to almost a model democracy and a very liberal democracy, a very open, vibrant place. It's got a very rich tradition and history of its own. Uh, China's claim over the island um, is tenuous at best, uh, legally, morally, um, practically, it, it, it really doesn't hold up to much scrutiny. Um, the, the one China policy that um, has dominated relations around the island for so many decades is very much outlived its purpose, as has strategic ambigu ambiguity, the notion that the Americans yes. would uh, be vague about what they would do in the event of a Chinese attack on the island. And there's a lot of pressure in, in, in Washington and elsewhere for the Americans to be more explicit about the way they would come to the defense of Taiwan. But it, this just wouldn't be just another land grab. It would be the elimination of, of a liberal democracy, a yes. like-minded democracy. And th that resonates far more with, with, with the West, with Washington in particular. Um, than if it was merely a, a land grab of another dictatorship, which uh, which would be bad enough, but but it's not that category. And I think it's it's different from Hong Kong, where the assumption was that Britain would always have to hand it back. Uh, the Communist Party has never ruled Taiwan. Taiwan, in I was there last last year researching my book. It is an extraordinarily successful place politically and economically. Uh, well deserving of support. And I think the calculations that go through Xi Jinping's mind uh, are with, with the Ukraine war as, as backdrop. I mean, some would think that he would be more cautious and perhaps Taiwan in the medium term is safer. Although others would argue, and I heard this argument in Taipei, that perhaps he wants to get it done. He wants to get it done sooner because yes. he recognizes it's drifting away. Yes. And the calculation that uh, Putin made uh, that the West was weak, divided, decadent, 
that Brexit had taken place, uh, all of their calculations that Putin uh, would have made, uh, Xi Jinping presumably uh, would have made as well. And just before uh, the invasion for the Winter Olympics in Beijing, Putin was a guest. They would have talked. In your view, would they share or have shared the idea that the West, um, for various reasons, was divided, weak, and would not um, respond as it has done? And NATO, for example, was a target for Donald Trump all during his presidency. Are we lucky that he wasn't president when Putin decided to press the go button in Ukraine. I think I think we uh, I think we probably are to be to be quite frank. It would have the the notion of uh, what or how Trump would have handled a crisis like this. Um, he was so unpredictable. He wouldn't. I mean, Biden appears to have successfully galvanized uh, the West uh, and NATO uh, in a way that was essential, but. One couldn't envisage if it was a Trump uh, in the White House. Indeed. And I think that both Putin and Xi, they, they share a worldview um, which is underpinned by grievance um, and imperial ambition, uh, which is why I think that people who would argue that perhaps Xi will be a restraining influence on Putin. That's misplaced. I think they're too close in the way they think yes. and in, and their hostility to the international system. And that summit uh, last February uh, on the eve of the Olympic Games in Beijing, when they said that there were no limits to their relationship, they committed themselves to building a new international order. And I think that they both shared this view that the West was in decline, that it was decadent. Uh, they looked at the messy withdrawal from Afghanistan as yes. exhibit one in the, in that argument. And I think that the unity of the West in the face of Russian aggression, um, the sanctions that have been imposed, have come as a shock to both Putin and to Xi. And I think that they will have fed in or they will feed into the to Xi's calculations over Taiwan. Taiwan was always going to be difficult to take, to invade. It's an island. Yes, islands uh, have a problem about supplying arms and, uh, and, and other support, but they're far more difficult to invade. And Taiwan in particular would be an extraordinarily hard place to take militarily. Um, Taiwan has learned from Ukraine about the importance of asymmetric warfare, um, the techniques, the methods, the kit you need to thwart a far more powerful army to the yes. Taiwanese. The Taiwan Strait is the equivalent of that road into Kiev from Belarus when so much of uh, so much Russian armor was was taken out. So all these calculations are playing into this, and I'm sure they're being analyzed in Beijing as well. But Coming back to that fundamental point that Xi has made it a key part of his idea of um, of the Chinese, his Chinese dream of a, a, a reinvigorated um, China, and taking Taiwan is is crucial to that. He's got himself an extra five years in power. Yes, he's been damaged by COVID, by by the zero COVID policy, um, but it's central to his vision 
uh, to, to take back Taiwan. And perhaps he believes that it is better done sooner rather than later, um, because by delaying, um, Taiwan may garner more support, may learn more from Ukraine and become even more difficult to take. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. The question of nuclear war and nuclear weapons, does that enter the equation if as Biden has said on four occasions, and you're, you're absolutely right to say um, ambiguity was American policy uh, up to now, uh, official policy. However, uh, Biden has said America would come to Taiwan's aid uh, in the event of a Chinese uh, attempt to invade. Are we looking here at the potential for a world war? I think that Biden has certainly been more forthright in his comments. The White House and others, including Blinken, have, have rode back on it afterwards. Yes. Um, but he said it so many times. Um, you could argue, I suppose, that he's feeding the ambiguity even more um, by putting it out there and then having his officials sort of rein back. But on the nuclear front, it's intriguing. If you, if you look at Ukraine, for instance, uh, during the, uh, the the last Cold War, yes, the two sides, the Soviet bloc, the Western bloc, had the capacity to wipe each other out, but it was rarely explicit. They were always there in the background. You rarely see examples of of the military or politicians standing up and waving their nukes at, at, yes. and threatening what they could do with them. And I think that's quite a chilling aspect of what's going on now between Russia and Ukraine yes. in that Russia is explicitly waving its nuclear weapons around uh, and implying it's willing to use them. Um, now, I think that China will be looking at that 
because China, don't forget, is in the course of a big modernization and expansion of its own nuclear arsenal, which has caused some fear and consternation um, in Washington, yes. particularly as China refuses to engage in any discussions about arms control or nuclear weapons or a, a, a combination of them both. And I think China will be looking at the way that Russia has brandished its nukes and at the way NATO, while giving it extensive support to Ukraine, has been cautious not to do anything that might uh, escalate to the level of nuclear war, which might involve NATO countries in direct com military conflict with Russia. And I think the Chinese will be looking at the um, Taiwan, uh, Taiwan, will be looking at lessons learned from Ukraine. And, you, and one reason it is so quickly expanding its nuclear arsenal will be the implicit threat that any conflict around Taiwan uh, would not be confined to that, to that yes. area, that they have the capability to expand that conflict, um, go nuclear, even involve American bases either in the region or the American mainland in, in the case of a, a conflict. And I think they've learned from Ukraine, and this is one reason why they are rapidly expanding their nuclear arsenal. Now, uh, your book, Fire of the Dragon, uh, China's New Cold War, uh, was published uh, last August. With the knowledge you have of China, were the attempts by, notably in Europe, Angela Merkel, for example, but also British, I think Cameron, uh, and George Osborne, I think, were quite keen to build a relationship and sell things to the Chinese. Were these ideas the West had um, that, you know, trade would soften um, the Chinese and indeed the Russians, that uh, we, could, we could rub along together with something for everyone, uh, markets for the West, for example. Um, was that completely wrong-headed in your view, Ian? And and there's very few, there are very few more informed uh, opinions than yours that we can reach. I think they were. Um, the Germans had a a word for it. They described it as change through trade. Yes. Um, it became largely self-serving. I mean, you have companies dealing with China. Um, Apple is a prime example, and Tim Cook still spouts out whenever it's pointed out the, the the quite chilling extent of his dependence upon China for manufacturing as a market, and the extent to which Apple has towed the the Communist Party line in China. Um, he repeats, "Well, it's better we're there engaging. It's better we're part of it. It's better because we can affect change." I don't think many people believe that is the case anymore and it's become extraordinarily self self-serving i think that the extent of the dependency upon china is the worrying form you never you, you can't stop doing tr stop trading with china but i think that people have learned or i like to think people have learned that that to china trade investment market, market access these are means of coercion. Yes. These are uh, weapons. These are tools that, that, that are used to get their way. And yes, we see sanctions imposed by Western companies, countries 
uh, the Americans, for instance, through the financial system. But China's unique in that the Communist Party controls so much of the economy, uh, controls all the levers that need to be pulled in, in a market economy. It's more difficult to do that. Yes, there are certain levers you have, but you don't control it all. Um, and I think that the penny has dropped, that engagement uh, didn't work, that the notion that it was a win-win for everybody, that the world and China would benefit in terms of democratic change, openness, and prosperity um, has not worked out. Uh, I don't think that our political leaders quite know what to replace it with. Uh, we're still seeing very awkward, um, ambiguous language. There's Rishi Sunak talking about robust pragmatism towards China, and I have no idea what that means. Um, <laughs> Neither has the guy who coined it. <laughs> um, but yes, there seems to be a sense that engagement didn't work, but I don't get a sense of a policy there to fill the vacuum. Yes, there is, there is more caution towards um, investment from Communist Party-linked companies into sensitive sectors. Yes, there's a robust, a more robust national security bill in the UK. There's more advice going out to, to universities. But it's all untested, and it's all a little bit wishy-washy. Yeah. Uh, and I'm not quite sure how, it's, how all that is going to work in practice. On the list of Xi Jinping's priorities, where does Taiwan rank? It's pretty high, but I think in the short term, uh, he, he's got a, a real headache in, in terms of the economy and rebuilding after zero COVID. Yes. Um, the, the, the economy's in a pretty bad way. It, even if you believe the official figures, and, and that's, you have to be very cautious. The economy is pretty much ground to a halt. You've got almost 20% youth unemployment in the cities. Exports are well down. I think his priority in the short term is to get the, econo the economy moving again. There's been a lot of speculation about what's going on behind the scenes in Beijing. And it's about how strong a position Xi Jinping is in. I mean, it had been, it had seemed unassailable just uh, yes, a couple of months yes. ago. Uh, but his credibility has certainly been badly hit by the, 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 the zero COVID debacle, um, the virus now sweeping the country. Sorry, where do the wolf warriors um, fit into all of this? Because I note in a piece I read in the FT last week that one of the prominent or most prominent wolf warrior um, was uh, has been disappeared or demoted. Quite, quite yes, seriously right. demoted. Can you, <laughs> first of all, can you tell us what wolf warriors are? And secondly, tell me what, what, what this guy's sin was. Well, this was uh, Zhao Lijian, who was yeah. uh, a spokesperson at the foreign ministry. And he, he frequently used the lectern there to kind of snarl and generally insult anybody and everybody who, who uh, had the temerity to criticize China. And, and the, the expression wolf warrior it comes from a movie. There were a couple of, of movies which were, if you recall Rambo. Yes, I do. <laughs> uh, well, these are like Rambo on steroids, yes. except that the, the heroes are kind of Chinese soldiers and, and the villains are 
horribly evil caricatures of American and other Western imperialists. And these films topped the box office for a, for, for a couple of years. Um, and Xi Jinping instructed his diplomats to be more aggressive and more forthright, um, which was interpreted, I mean, uh, dip diplomacy is supposed to be about give and take, and Chinese diplomacy under Xi Jinping became a notion of just kind of harangue, insult, and threatened. Right. A and these diplomats were dubbed wolf, wor wolf warrior diplomats okay. because of the uh, willingness and ability to go out there and do this. And, 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 and Xiao Lijian at the foreign ministry, um, he was abruptly moved from his position um, shortly before Christmas and given a desk job, I think sorting out border disputes, which itself yeah. is a, very <laughs> challenging. But so he's no longer at the lectern. Um, so this was interpreted as perhaps China wanting, at least in the short term, to appear to be a little bit more cuddly on the international right. scene. But, and there is a but here, the, uh, it turned out that he had COVID just before Christmas. And he'd used his Weibo account, his social media account, to criticize the fact he couldn't get any antiviral drugs uh, because China was so ill-prepared for coming out of zero COVID that there were none available. And his wife also took to Weibo um, to echo his complaints about the authorities. And her account has since been suspended. And <laughs> so... In, it, it's such an opaque system, Eamon. Sometimes you don't really know what's going on behind the scenes there. And there's one thought is that perhaps he was uh, dumped onto a desk job because of his criticism rather than because he was a wolf warrior. Right. Um, but perhaps that will that will play out over, over coming days. And it, it, it reminds me of a warning I had from a, a colleague a few weeks ago. Um, we were how we were chatting about China, and he says, "You know," he says, "Sometimes I think anybody who claims to understand the Chinese Communist Party yes. is misinformed." <laughs> yes, indeed. And just a final question about the Taiwan situation: Is it something that the people in China care about, as opposed to the leadership? It, that's a difficult question because trying to get a sense of public opinion in China is very difficult because uh, you can't go around asking people what they feel. Yes. The, the voices out there on social media, the loudest voices tend to be nationalist voices yes. because they're given more leeway. They're louder and they're allowed to say more. Um, and they're the voices who invariably are the more critical um, and the more gung-ho yes. when it comes to Taiwan. Now, before COVID-19 shut borders, a lot of Chinese tourists were going to Taiwan. They were experiencing the liberal atmosphere there, uh, breathing an open, yes, democratic indeed. Chinese society, um, pr living proof that you can have democracy in, in, in a Chinese society it's very, and a very successful um, democracy. Um, there is certainly a, a strong nationalist feeling in China. Nationalism is very strong, and Taiwan is a real flashpoint when it comes to that. And the party does have the, abil the ability to whip it up when it needs to. Yes. Um, but I think at the same time, you will find a certain admiration for 
Taiwan for those who are in the know or have visited there. Yes. Okay, Ian, it's uh, always good to talk to you, and we're very, very grateful to you for joining us uh, on the stand. And uh, I should uh, recommend uh, your book again. It's called Fire of the Dragon, China's New Cold War, and it was published in August, and Ian Williams is the author. Thank you very much, Ian. Thanks to Ian. Thanks to all of you who listened. That's all we have time for now. We'll talk to you soon. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.